So many things have ruined my childhood So I go online to bitch and cry It feels like all of Hollywood is up against me They even made Optimus Fly New versions of what I grew up with Are being remade, rebooted and retried My adolescence is under attack now I think that a part of me has died Aliens, uh -huh, uh -huh. Predators, uh -huh, uh -huh. Marvel, uh -huh, uh -huh. DC, uh -huh, uh -huh. maybe it doesn't all quite sting. Okay, well, except maybe for that Jar Jar Binks. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Podcast Ruined My Childhood. I'm Phil Duresmo, and with me for the start of Season 2 is, you know him, you love him, Eric Walensky. Ask your kids who Lego Batman is. It's kind of deceptive. We're not talking about Legos, but we are talking about Batman. right everybody this week for the start of our brand new season we're going to talk about the Zack Snyder trilogy of the DC extended universe Man of Steel Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice and the brand new just released Zack Snyder's Justice League before we get into that everybody I do just want to take a second to let you all know that for the first time in this podcast ruined my childhood history Eric and I are in the same place recording this podcast. We are looking each other in the eyes right now. And it's now become a staring contest. And I believe I've blinked twice, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but it's it's true, everybody. So Eric, who normally is in Michigan, and I, who normally am in California, recording this podcast through the interwebs, have decided to somehow break through the speed force and figure out how to do this together in the same room. So it's going to be a little bit different sounding podcast, I think. It won't be as crisp, but it'll be fun because we'll get to play off each other in the room in the moment. So it'll be, it'll be all right. It'll be interesting. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited. I'm, I've tepid expectations. But anyway, Eric, tell me how the Justice League, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, all these great characters have, have impacted your childhood. Well, as a kid, I read uh, Star Wars comics, I had G.I. Joe comics, and uh, somewhere along the line, going to the comic store every week, I started taking a peek at uh, Batman, and uh, I, I kind of, I started collecting Batman comics. They were interesting. Um, I found them to be a little more uh, grown up 
in the in the storylines and the flavor than than Star Wars and, and G.I. Joe. It always seemed more kinda kid fantasy, whereas Batman almost seemed more like an adult kind of hmm. it just had more of a feel like that. That's interesting you say that because G.I. Joe is about like these crazy military troopers that are going across the world trying to kill Cobra, but well, true, but they're doing it in garishly, you know, garish costumes and you know, very outlandish styled weapons and themes, that's and true. they they just looked crazy silly. Yeah, that's true. And and so they wore berets. I mean, you can't take anybody seriously wearing a beret in a comic book, right? <laughs> well, and it's funny just to detour quickly. GI Joe did start off more army realistic in its characters, hmm. but then. Like if you look at the first series of GI Joe figures, they're they're pretty. They're the medic, the minesweeper, the machine gunner, uh, the radio guy, and they are all kind of plain Green Army outfits. I did not know that. Yeah, but then series two came out, and then that's when Cobra got ninjas and the saboteur, and you know Major Blood, and they all look like characters. And then mm-hmm. and then they, by the end, one of Cobra's guys was just a boxer. <laughs> they were going off the rocky craze obviously yeah anyway yeah so yeah but i I completely understand batman was rooted in something a lot darker Mm -hmm. and it was the darker end of the dc Mm -hmm. comic spectrum Mm -hmm. from that from the perspective of us in the 80s right so it's it's interesting that you call that out so batman was kind of it you were like into batman comics did you get into superman did you get into the flash or anybody else i I knew who they all were, and uh, I and around that same time is when I started watching the old Batman TV series from the '60s. Mm-hmm. That was rerun every night, and and I loved that. You did the Batusi, yeah, 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 all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, it was uh, yeah. So I knew who all those characters were. I just uh, I, I just kind of gravitated to Batman and, and the Joker mainly, sure. and that's still my my main comic book go-to are, are those two characters hmm. but uh but yeah I, I enjoyed all that stuff superman movies batman movies batman 89 right superman 78 right no superman Aquaman. movies of course mm-hmm. christopher reeve he was great mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed those films quest for peace obviously we'll talk about someday on this podcast but um <laughs> i i'm i'm very much in the same boat i mean i grew up with the the movies i think in the mid 80s i was you know five six seven years old and my dad introduced me to the Superman movie, Christopher Reeve. You know, that that 1978 Superman was is very wholesome. There's not like there's no blood mm-hmm. when they when he beats up bad guys, it's like really cheesy. It is a very 70s superhero movie. Like there wasn't really anything that existed that was like that, but that's really what it was, a 70s movie. Well, it's interesting that you start there and mm-hmm. just to give a little tease as to where we're ending up here, the 78 Superman movie was supposed to be Superman one and Superman two were supposed to be back to back part one, part two, yep. but then the studios made uh, Richard Donner, Donner yep. cut it all up. And there is now a Donner cut, which puts the two movies together, put certain scenes in different order yep. and you get a full complete story instead of separate movie one, which kind of had a weird ending. So weird. And then, and then Superman two, which basically then picks up from the whole beginning of Superman one with mm-hmm. Zod and the other two getting exiled. Right. Uh, so that's interesting because we're ultimately going to end up as a Zack Snyder cut yep. of justice league, mm-hmm. which is 
seeing a director's full vision, of course, and, and geez, now that I'm saying that out loud, when you talk about the, the recent Star Wars trilogy, you had three different directors yep. bouncing around, telling their own story, and we see how uncohesive all of that was. Two different directors. Two different directors. Should have been three, but two. Well, that's what I meant. Who, yeah. Who's the third that got cut out? It was um, Ra- Colin Trevorrow. Colin Trevorrow, right. So so technically three, but only two directors actually made movies, Abrams and uh, Johnson. But mm-hmm. but you see how when you don't have a cohesive vision like that, your your trilogy is, is all over the place. Yeah. With I want to push this theme. I want to push that theme. I want to cancel your theme out. Well, I want to make your theme this. And mm-hmm. it, it got really weird. So it's, it's interesting that even the 78 Donner cut has a cohesive vision the same way Zack Snyder has a cohesive vision instead of yeah. the Joss Whedon reshoots using some of, and gosh, very little, honestly, very little Joss Whedon used very little from, from the, uh, from Snyder. And, from and Snyder. it's interesting too, because I think now that it's been out for a couple days, people, well, a couple days, I say that's two days since it's been out. So everybody knows now that we're recording it on Saturday, March 20th, but uh, there have been articles out where it shows Josh Whedon used about an hour of Zack Snyder's footage, and we now have seen four hours of Zack Snyder's footage, plus there's two other hours somewhere out there on the cutting room floor. It's interesting to go back, and we did a little quick uh, watch of a couple scenes from from Josh Whedon's version last night, and you could see where he made quick cuts to get rid of some of the things that actually had an impact mm-hmm. to the film. And so we'll get into all that in just a little bit, but, but I'm, you know, going back to my, my, my uh, history with these characters is, you know, I, I saw the 78 and then 82, I think, or 80 movie um, in the mid eighties together. I grew up watching those Superman movies and then Batman 89 came out. I grew up watching all those Batman movies. We've already talked about the Batman movies in this podcast. Well, we don't have to go in depth on it, but. We, we can't glaze over Superman 3. You jumped right to Quest for Peace. <laughs> Superman 3, you gotta, I'm quizzing you right now. I'm putting you on the spot. What is the mystery ingredient in the manufactured kryptonite? People? Soylent Green is people? Nope. Is <laughs> <laughs> remember, we, remember Richard Pryor's on his yeah, computer? I remember And Richard then Pryor. it's like 99% and then 1% unidentified mm-hmm. or mystery. Yeah. And do you remember? I don't what, remember. Do remember what I he don't. throws into the kryptonite? which ultimately throws the whole kryptonite off and it does not kill Superman. It just makes him angry. I don't remember. I really don't. Nicotine. Uh, He's smoking cigarettes while he's making kryptonite. Mm -hmm. And it's like, he looks at the computer like 1% unidentified. Hmm. He looks at his cigarettes. Nicotine. So nicotine is the reason that that kryptonite did not kill Superman, but just made him a real grumpy jerk. <laughs> Such a jerk. Such a jerk. <laughs> Superman 3 is a bad movie, but Superman 4 is a really bad movie. But anyway, conversation for another podcast. Yes. In the late 80s, I got super into comics. I was 8, 9 years old in 88, 89, 90, and just started collecting comics like crazy. And I was big on in, in Marvel. I was... X-Men and Spider-Man, and that was pretty much it. So every X book that there was and every Spider book there was, I collected. But on the DC side, every Superman book, every Batman book, and then Justice League. What's funny is you are here in California at my house, and today you went through some of my old comics that I still have. And you could see Mm -hmm. that I have a ton of Flash. 
I have a ton of JSAs. Mm-hmm. I have a ton of Superman's, Batman's. Um, but those were my bread and butter, and that's what I grew up with. And so when we keep getting these iterations of these characters coming out, I and mean, Christopher Nolan had the most recent iteration before this of Batman, and it was good, and it was grounded in reality, but it still wasn't the Batman we knew as kids. Not really. Not right? Really. And then we had the Batman, the animated series, which, in my opinion, and I think we talked about this back on the Batman podcast we did with Brendan Lowe, but Batman, the animated series, is the most faithful adaptation of Batman in on television that I, I know. And, mm-hmm. like, I wish they could get Paul Dini, who wrote a lot of those stories, to write a Batman movie because it would be a true faithful Batman movie. Mm-hmm. But moving from the Nolan trilogy to what Zack Snyder did when they tried to now combat this Marvel universe thing mm-hmm. with this DC extended universe, the first movie that came out was Man of Steel. Right. And Man of Steel, in my opinion, was this beautifully made, really deep movie. It wasn't the superhero movie that we had gotten to that point with Iron Man and with, um, you know, going up to the Avengers, we got this beautiful, this beautiful story about this character that doesn't feel like he has a home or has a place, but he has superpowers. And it's a lot of the themes that they wrote back in Jurgens and, you know, all those guys wrote back in the Superman comics of the 80s and 90s that is now transcending into live action. And I, I mean, we talked about this the other day, but I think Man of Steel is probably my favorite super. It not probably. It is my favorite Superman movie that's ever been made. Well, I'd have to really think about that because I, I would probably go Superman two is my favorite mm-hmm. with Man of Steel being right behind it. Yeah, and uh, I'd only seen parts until we watched it the other night, and uh, it's a good film. It is. It's solid. Mm-hmm. It's. Um, I could see where though people might like not like it or might think it seems draggy or long because it doesn't just, you know, go in there fast and furious style, bang, bang, crash, crash. Right. right. It, it gives Which you modern more, audiences want. Right. right. It, it gives you more, more in depth, uh, in, into a character, into what, you know, there's more development there, mm-hmm. which. It's really what Superman is going through to become super. It's what Clark is going through. Right, Kal-El is right. going through to become Superman. And that's why I think it's such a great movie because it's setting up this universe for us. And I don't know if they, I don't remember if they had plans to do the universe at that point or if Man of Steel was coming out and they were going to see how it performed to then decide to do a universe. But it really set up this character to grow in future movies. And that's kind of what I feel you want in a superhero movie that's going to lead into something bigger. And whether or not we got the Man of Steel at the end of this now with Zack Snyder's Justice League that we wanted from the beginning is up for debate. But I think all the seeds were planted and Zack had a really great storyline and great script and a great actor in Henry Cavill to get the character there. But again, that's my opinion. Yeah. I, and we can go more into this later, but I still say Marvel does it better. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you could almost argue, well, they do it different too. Yeah. That's what I would argue. They do it differently. But 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 there's just something, um, well, because skipping ahead to Batman versus Superman, Mm -hmm. I did not like that movie when I saw it because again, it was a little too draggy. And they, I I I think for as much as Gal Gadot is great as Wonder Woman, and I mentioned this to you the other night, I think her subplot 
took away from the themes of Batman and Superman being more alike than different. And what version did we watch? We watched the Ultimate Edition, which is the director's cut, basically. It's the Snyder's cut. So again, seeing another director's cut, seeing the true vision of a movie Mm -hmm. made all the difference because the first time I saw theatrical release, then we watched the director, and the director's version actually had scenes that made some of the stuff that I didn't like in the first one make a lot more sense. And you're like, ah. (laughs) So... I don't know. It's that studio meddling, man. WB did not like that um, that Zack Snyder's... I mean, to take a step back, Zack Snyder is a very divisive director to begin with. The way that he shoots his films, the way that he tells his stories, people love and people hate, and there's no in the middle. Mm-hmm. There really is no in the middle. I don't know that I've ever talked to somebody who says they liked 300, but they hated Sucker Punch, or that they liked Dawn of the Dead, but they hated Man of Steel. Like there is nowhere, if you like Zack Snyder movies, you like all of Zack Snyder movies. If you hate one Zack Snyder movie, you hate all Zack Snyder movies, which is weird to me because I just, I love films. So I like seeing all different interpretations of things and some are done poorly and some are done masterfully and some are done okay. But Zack Snyder's movies, in my opinion, are all done masterfully because he is a really great director. Mm -hmm. He understands how to build character how to develop a script and how to make connections between people on screen that make you care about them. Mm-hmm. Now that is the, like you said, it creates a slog in the storyline because you're spending more time with characters mm-hmm. rather than more time getting to the next piece of the action. Mm-hmm. So in Batman versus Superman, Dawn of justice, the theatrical version that WB made him cut down to two hours and 20 minutes or whatever it was from the three hour version he wanted to put out there. You can see there's holes, there's gaping holes in the movie. And that's what everybody said when they left the theater, which it still did well. I think it made 800,000 us, which they want it to break a billion dollars. Yeah. 800 million. I'm sorry. 800 million. Uh, But it still didn't do Avengers numbers. And that's what they wanted. They wanted the trill, the Trinity that they call them, Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman, to break a billion. And it didn't do it. And so they lost faith in him, and they had already given him the keys to Justice League. And we're like, all right, we're just going to see how this goes. But they watched him like a hawk, and they put Jeff Johns on it to pay attention to what he was doing and make sure that he was following all of their notes that WB was handing down and DC was handing down. And it really put pressure on Zach. And, you know, we can, we don't really have to get too deep into it, but he also had a personal crisis during the filming of Justice League, which made him step away from the film. And I think it's pretty well known that his daughter committed suicide and he has since spent a lot of time um, rallying people to donate to causes to help with, with uh, people that feel they need to take that step. But it's, it's amazing to see that we now have his vision versus what we got on the screen that they made Joss Whedon come in and completely destroy. <laughs> and it's two different movies, two completely different movies. Right. So let's get, let's get into it now. I mean, we're already kind of into it, but um, tell me about, we watched Man of Steel. Tell me about your, your impression after we got through it. Because as you said, self-admittedly, you never watched it all the way through before. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was good. It, it, it Tell was... me about his traps. 
Tell me about his workout routine, you know. <laughs> You're very impressed by Henry Cavill's body, as we all are. Well, we because I had read it was in the Muscle and Fitness, like what they had to go through. They basically filmed all of his shirtless scenes in like a day or two because for him to maintain like 4% body fat or whatever it was, like ridiculously low, like 6% is like really 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 cut but he went like to i, I believe it was like four percent it was really it was insane yeah. and if you've seen the movie you see how like mm-hmm. just sick that his abs are yeah. but they they had to do that all at once and then uh i think you even noted actually um about uh ben affleck in the Zack snyder cut that he's mega ripped at the beginning crazy, crazy and then obviously they kind of shot things in different order because he is a thinner a much thinner mm-hmm. batman in other scenes and, and uh, much thinner bruce wayne yeah the way he fills out some of his clothes is very different between different scenes yes. you can see when they came back and did a few little tiny reshoots right for this hbo max version right where yeah, yeah and, and and people don't realize like maintaining that level of muscle or maintaining that level of thin, mm-hmm. like when you see the bodybuilders at competitions, that's because for six weeks before or whatever, how much time it is before, that's when they cut, that's when they get lean. And that's just to peak at competition at their absolute thinnest, but most muscular. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as competition is over, oh, then it's back to just eating and exercising. And they let themselves gain back 10, 15 pounds. Mm-hmm. Like if you've ever heard, uh, Channing Tatum talked about maintaining his body. He's like, I love cheeseburgers. I love eating. He said, working out is a pain in the butt. I don't like doing it. And so Channing same Tatum, buddy, same. when he's not on Magic Mike, mm-hmm. you know, when he's not out there putting his body on display for movies, he's, he's quote, normal. Yeah. You know, he's average Joe because it, it takes a lot. That's a lifestyle. And for some yeah. of these actors, that's, that's not a thing. I, I know this seems like a bit of a, tangent from what we're talking about but when we talk about superhero movies and you see the superhero bodies you're like holy crap that's amazing but yeah. but these real actors who have to go through this stuff it is insane levels of workouts mm-hmm. you know Hugh Jackman actually he started taking his workouts more seriously once he saw how popular Wolverine was getting and he said at like 50 he was in better shape than even when he did Wolverine the first time at 38 right. because he was putting so much workout and he just started liking it and doing it and living it. And so that, that just became who Hugh Jackman was. Sure. So it's crazy to me. I just, I need a pizza. I mean, I need, <laughs> I need a burger every once in a while. I don't know. Yeah. It's three it's times just, a week. Taco Bell. I just, I can't do it. It's just super interesting how, how people do that for the movies. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I mean, it truly is crazy to think about Ben Affleck in the film and even in BVS, the scene when he is working out that montage of him, like, because, you know, they have to have a Rocky style montage in a film like this Mm -hmm. with the average Joe training to fight the superhero that can't Mm -hmm. be harmed. He looks insane. He looks in better shape than Henry Cavill. Yeah. In that film. He looks ridiculous. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, But then to see what he looked like after justice league came out when he started to just stop working out let himself go there's pictures on the internet of him like smoking a cigarette in front of his his house or like a door to an apartment complex and he just has a little bit of a gut and he's just standing like he's so pissed at the world 
<laughs> he sees people taking pictures of him and he's just smoking a cigarette like Fuck, what are you doing leave me alone and it's that was of course right when justice league i think was coming out in theaters and they were like look at how ben affleck let himself go after just it's like crazy because he didn't actually let himself go he just stopped working out eight hours a day and he still was probably <laughs> body fat percentage wise been better shaped than half of america more Which, than half, more than probably. half way better than me um jason momoa got whatever you want to call it body shamed fat shamed because mm-hmm. there was pictures of him at the beach yep. where he wasn't like ripped but i mean he's he's already a big guy and for big guys to stay thin that takes that takes a lot a lot of effort mm-hmm. and i mean even myself when i start lifting weights it, like summertime i'm outside more i'm doing more biking more running just keeping my not even to keep in shape. I just like doing those things. Mm-hmm. You know, I like walking. I like, so, so I lose a little bit more weight, you know, I'm a little bit thinner, but then once I get back in the gym and I start lifting weights again, mm-hmm. it's just, my body just starts hanging on to more mass. Right. And I don't necessarily even think I eat that much more, but I still can see in my stomach. It's like, how is it getting bigger? <laughs> and I'm not really doing anything different. And I'm working out so hard. It's just how your body responds to all yep. these things. But again, bit of a tangent, but it's just, um, it's just interesting when you when you see these movies and and just mm-hmm. how ridiculous and so back to yes Superman Man of Steel, gosh I mean that was that was ridiculous how in shape he was and they got like the cream of the crop trainer yeah. to get him into that shape and that trainer even said I'm not even going to do this unless you let me have full control of his schedule and I say he needs to work out at this time and this time and this time to get this done. And they were like, yeah, because he's got to look jacked. So yeah. that's why they only shot the shirtless scenes in like two or three days when he could like peak and maintain just sure. like a competition. And then, okay, we got everything we need. Okay. You and I'm to... sure that's the same for the other two movies that come afterwards, right? The one scene right when he comes back to life in yes. Justice League, he's, yes. he has no shirt on. Mm-hmm. But every other scene after that, he's in his costume or has a shirt on. Mm-hmm. The costume, they can have fake muscles on, but... Um, although I will say in BVS, from what was reported, the Batman costume was pretty form fitting to Ben Affleck and he maintained that muscle mass through the film, which Jeez. is crazy, right? It's crazy. You don't even um, understand what your diet's got to be like to maintain that. If your body isn't, you know, genetically that way, like obviously, you know, Arnold, you know, the right. king of the action heroes. His, he already had the genetics. Yeah. Like, even if he never really worked out to be Mr. Olympia, he he would still have been a big dude. Right. It, right. it would just would have happened because he just had the genes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Lou Ferrigno, same thing. He was a real skinny kid, but I think as he matured, even if he it only just lifted him, like yeah. normal, yeah. he would have been a monster. But then he starts doing everything and that bodybuilder was a monster. Do. And then he was a monster, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny. Going back to this childhood, yeah. or this podcast from my childhood, um, Incredible Hulk, you know, with mm-hmm. Bill Bixby. Yep. I watched that as a kid. I mm-hmm. watched Wonder Woman as a kid. Yep. And then, Me too. And then they had, I think it was three uh, made for TV movies of the, I know. Two off the top of my head was uh, the trial of the Incredible Hulk and the mm-hmm. death of the Incredible Hulk. I remember the trial pretty vividly, but I do not remember the death. I don't remember the death of, except huh. the ending. He falls out of an airplane mm-hmm. as the Hulk. Mm-hmm. 
and then crashes through a runway and then at, they look down at the bottom of the and there's and bill Bruce, and right? he's yeah. and he dies him is david right because he wasn't david. bruce banner yeah, david banner david banner mm-hmm. um and then the trial of the incredible hulk was uh they introduced daredevil mm-hmm. and of course the classic you know kingpin figures out oh he's he's blind right oh he's using his ears and then they lure him into a warehouse and then they blast him with sound yep. and he can't do his echo yep. location you know yep. trick and they beat the crap out of him and then uh i always i remember too like seeing the commercial trailer preview whatever you know like this sunday and then they <laughs> show the incredible hulk he or you know Luther, david no. banner oh. uh, well david banner on the mm-hmm. stand and losing his temper and going Rawr! and i'm like oh my god you're gonna be insane and so they that scene comes up and it's like and he goes roaring to the and i'm like this is nuts and then cut to in jail david banner <gasps> it was <Wait>. a dream <laughs> come on that's why i watched this i wanted to see like he turns on the hulk in front of everybody and the world sees it but mm. that was his nightmare that yeah. he'd be exposed oh man ah <laughs> you got me it ruined your childhood the whole i would say he turned into the Hulk, I think, twice in, in the, the whole trial. movie. Yeah. In the whole movie, it was a very boring movie. And one remember. of them was a dream sequence. <laughs> yes, and it all basically focused on Daredevil, <laughs> and and then never again. Man, what a good tangent for us to take. That's that is actually a fun trip down memory lane. I haven't thought of the trial of the Incredible Hulk in a mm-hmm. long time. I can still, in my <laughs> mind's eye, see that like ten seconds of the trailer where he's on the stand. And it's like, and then you see the movie, and you're like, dream sequence trick. <laughs> oh man, that's rough. Yeah, that's rough. Mm-hmm. As kids, I mean, too, that was that's what we wanted, right? We wanted the hero to come out to bust out all the time. Mm-hmm. And today, in today's audiences too, they want the action all the time. Do you remember there were two? Uh, there was a Spider-Man and a Captain America made for TV mm-hmm. movies. You remember oh, yeah. those? Yep. Oh my goodness! Yep. Terrible. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> Captain America movie is one of the worst movies that's ever been made. I know it's so rotten. <laughs> and again, I only have my my childhood memories of it. Mm-hmm. And even as a kid, thinking this is a good. I will say I do remember loving the Flash TV show that was on back when we in the early nineties oh, or late eighties. I never watched. Dude, it. I loved it. I loved it, and I love the fact that the person who played the Flash in that TV show has come back and is um, Barry Allen's father on the TV show, The Flash, that's on the WB now, or the CW now. And then he also plays Jay Garrick, who's an alternate universe Flash mm. in different on different Earths. See, that's super Very cool. Because cool. cool. I think it's neat that they brought Brandon Routh in to play mm-hmm. Superman on some of those CW yep. uh, crossover internet. Which was weird because Earth. in the same episode, he was also the Atom because his character he in the show, um, Legends... Of tomorrow he is the atom but we're getting way off off oh, tangent sure. now but but to stay on the cw clark's yeah. mom mm-hmm. in smallville yep. was lana yep. from superman 3 yeah that's crazy it's great that's so cool it's great they brought a lot of people from the the movies into those shows and it was it was neat to see like even christopher reeve was in an episode as a scientist on smallville mm-hmm. yeah yeah 
Yes. Yeah, he was in his chair and he was a scientist. I remember. That. It was very, very yeah. cool. To, they did everything they could to tie to tie back to the yeah. history and the heritage of Superman, That's which right. is why Smallville is one of the best Superman shows that's ever been made, even though it was on the WB. And I would say almost unfortunately, because it was the pioneer, mm-hmm. it sort of had its hands tied yeah. in in the how much can we do? Right. And now, like the Arrowverse and all of that stuff is like free reign. And like I said, they're bringing in Brandon Roth. You said they're moving movie stars and stuff to do this stuff. Whereas Smallville was kind of restrained, you know, no no flights, no tights. <laughs> I don't know that I'd call Brandon Roth a movie star, but... He was in a movie. He was in a movie. And he, he starred He in was it. in a movie. Um, he starred in a he movie. He starred in a movie. He's a movie star. We didn't even talk about his Superman movie. We just glazed right over that when we were talking about our childhoods. But I liked it. it wasn't bad. It just wasn't good either. Um, it was weird. Well. It was just weird. It was just weird. I was I mean, that. we went back to real estate. And <laughs> we're gonna, exactly. We're going to grow <laughs> kryptonite earth. Who's going to build a condo there? <laughs> Not on. me. Like, I mean, that was... Would you like your scorched earth looking to the west or to the south? Like, I, I just... I don't know. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. No. But the the setup was that this character, this Superman, this Clark Kal-El... Can we was stop here. talking about his abs? And we will. Just a little bit more. They're, they glisten... <laughs> They glisten so well. But he's here, and he doesn't know his place. And that's the whole point of this, where in the Superman comics, Martha and Jonathan Kent help him find his place. In this movie, Zack Snyder made it that Jonathan Kent and Martha Kent didn't know how to parent a child from another planet. Because in the real world, that's probably what would happen. You'd you'd raise the child as your own and you'd raise them with the best human values you can, but you can't take that second step to really understand what they go through when they're invincible. Right. And so Jonathan Kent's death scene in that movie, although it is weird and a lot of people hate it and I, I'm not a huge fan of it, but he dies with a tornado that comes and sweeps him away and he tells Clark to stay back and don't, show who he is and Clark is supposed to be like 17 at this time. And to me I I feel like I would do that same thing if my daughter had superpowers or was from another planet and I was trying to protect her knowing that if anybody found out she was an alien scientists would probably come take her away and do experiments on her. And you know, I I feel like I would do what Jonathan Kent did. And so the the human part of me really appreciates Zach's vision of, of how Jonathan and Martha raised Clark. But the movie watcher part of me is like, fucking get in there, save your dad, punch the tornado out into the into space, and let's get this movie moving. See, I would not tell my, my son or daughter to stay back. I would be like, sneak around! <laughs> you have such blazing speed. Get behind the crowd! Come around the overpass. <laughs> Just whisper it because he has super hearing, right? Right. Hear it. I'll dive under the truck here and you can whisk me away <laughs> under the cover of a tornado and it'll be good. Yep. Like, come on. He's right. got superpower. But we don't know what how many of his powers like he knew at that like, point. Like, stop. Don't come rushing straight. Like, what if, what if, yeah, he meets his dad again one day, you know? 
in 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 the great beyond and and he's like i meant don't just come rushing across the field you know that was you know my hand up meant sneak be sneaky about it son like jeez jump jump around you can do you can jump he didn't know how to fly yet you can jump do whatever you just blow blow the tornado from where you're sitting he didn't have super breath yet either though i will say since we're talking about that that is uh you're right about the parenting that that is and see i guess that's why these movies like when you're used to the marvel like wow it's funny it's fast it's fun it's great Mm -hmm. and then you do like a character piece you're like oh yeah oh oh we're we're gonna listen to this one (laughs) okay and i think that's where people kind of go it wasn't good it wasn't a superhero wasn't it but i thought uh the speech after the school bus scene where he saves all the kids and Clark looks at his dad and he's what, 10 at the time, 12, maybe. What was I supposed to do? Dad, let everybody die. And Kevin Costner, great. So great. So kind of shakes his head and kind of looks off in the distance and just goes, maybe because the lives of those kids is nothing compared to like what, you know, letting a few people die now to keep your secret until you can fully, truly be who you need to be right. is, is maybe the price. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard. It's a hard, as a parent. I also hard. would have thrown in there, be sneaky. Jeez, like, <laughs> he pushed the bus out of the river. Like he could get under it. <laughs> well, he couldn't just smash out all the windows and make push his friends through the windows and they they'd come to the surface themselves. He had to push the bus. Like that's what I would have taught this guy. Like, hey man, subtlety. <laughs> Subtlety's the word of the day, kid. Jeez, don't go running across the field. Everybody goes, look, there goes Clark Kent. Wow, he can run really fast. Is he is he not from Earth? Like, don't do that. Sneak. Be sneaky. Punch the windows out of the bus. Use these powers. That's a good point. That's a good point. (laughs) It's a good point. I mean, he's a corn-fed hick, right? So he could just punch the windows out and nobody would say anything. No. (laughs) They're super strong in in Kansas. (laughs) I mean, he could have tore the back half of the bus off the top and nobody knew what happened. The bus crashed over the thing and, oh, crap, look, it ripped off the whole back end of the bus. Good thing too, because the kids escaped that way, right? Right. That the back door was open. I will say of the bus. I know. And nobody swam out of it. That's what I mean. I mean, the kids aren't smart either. But, but I would have to say them he could have helped. That's what I mean. But there's also something to be said of when something that heavy is is sinking. There's the vortex pulling things down, so it is hard to get out of something like that when the weight of what you're the mass of what you're in is so much bigger than you. Sure. So, but in a river with a current, eventually that's why they tell you, you wait until the pressure equalizes. Mm-hmm. If your car goes in a river and then you can open the door yeah. once pressure has been equalized, mm-hmm. you know, you open the windows, you actually let it flood yeah. faster. Don't keep the windows up because that makes it hard to open. You put the windows down if you can. Mm-hmm. And then, the water comes in and then the door will just because now you're all in the water. You're not fighting pressure. Mm-hmm. These are, what do they teach these kids in Smallville? A little bit of science 
you know. It goes a long way. He I might guess. not have got a big lecture from his dad about, you know, you shouldn't let those kids die. You know that, Clark? You know, let's start with next time, Clark. Right. Rip the back end of the bus off or punch the windows out or swim them out. Yeah. Use your super fast speed swimming. You know, because like the next time that happens. Where was Aquaman, honestly? He should have just been right out. The next time that happens, Clark's going to be like, well, dad said let him die. It's like. <laughs> well, geez, Clark, I guess I should have told you too. There's other options. Let's not just let him die or or push the bus out of the river. There's lots of options, you know? It's like Ricky Bobby, right? (laughs) First, you're last. You come in lots of places. Second, third, fourth. Hell, you come in fifth. I was probably high when I said that. You know, Jonathan Kent's just on the farm going, let the kids die, Clark. Wow, man. Yeah. Or, or, you know, rip, rip the back of the bus off. I don't know. One or the other. There's lots of things you can do, Clark. <laughs> so Zod comes to Earth, and uh, how did how did you feel about this interpretation of Zod? Michael Shannon, I think, killed it. He was menacing. Oh, it's great. He was uh, disturbed. Well, considering but... I've only got one other version of Zod to compare it to, I liked um... comics. Did you ever read any comics with Zod? No. Well, I... you also wasn't Zod in Smallville. Yeah. It's not a very good version not, of Zod. But... Well, okay. So I guess there are three that I'm aware of, and I didn't really like the Zod in the Smallville. That was handled oddly. Yes, it was. But again, because they had the handcuffs on, right. they didn't have free reign. They could have done a much better job in today's environment. But um, I think that the uh, the Zod, uh, Terrence Stamp from the uh, mm-hmm. Superman 2, beginning of Superman 1. Yeah. He was he was a good Zod. I mean, and he was, had the best facial hair of any Superman oh, movie ever made. He had a great voice. He had a, such a demeanor and delivery mm-hmm. on those lines. Yeah. It was, uh, he was really, really good. But he's definitely a, a, a drastically different Zod than we get in Michael Shannon. And I like them both. I, <clears throat> I couldn't even really choose which one I like better. I mm-hmm. think they're both great versions. Sort of yeah. like sort of like the way the Joker, you know, Jack Nicholson's is, is awesome. Yeah. Heath Ledger's is great. You know, there's, you know, other jokers too, but you know, those are the primary ones everybody looks right, to. Right. So I think, I think Shannon did an awesome job, and I think he even had a death. Yeah, I like, do. I agree. I the way they fleshed out the army of Kryptonians that were on that ship that had gone to the Phantom Zone mm-hmm. that were cast away to the Phantom Zone, mm-hmm. which, forgive me to take another step back in this film, but doesn't make sense that they sent them all to the Phantom Zone knowing that their planet was going to die. Why didn't they just leave them there to die with the rest of them? I I don't know. Condemning your criminals to go somewhere where they're not going to die, but you're going to stay on a planet where you are going to die seems a little backwards. But I agree. It's like a teacher giving a test on the second to last day of school. Right. Like, who's really (laughs) taking this seriously (laughs) now? Right. I graduate in a day. (laughs) I am not putting effort into this. Right. But the teacher's still going to give the test. Yep. That's what they did. So... (laughs) <laughs> so um but he his motivation for wanting to keep krypton going is set up right at the beginning when they have the flashback to krypton which mm-hmm. had an awesome jor-el mm-hmm. by the way and russell crowe he oh. did so well he's super great um and it, better than brando in my opinion which may be heresy but no. i think he was better than brando fair. but brando did a good job for the era right. but Whereas I would say both Zod's, I couldn't choose. Mm. I, I would pick uh, Russell Crowe. Yeah. Um, but we, we get the motivation between, b- behind Michael Shannon's character. 
And we see he has the same motivation through the whole film, which is important because in superhero movies, there are times when the villain is very one dimensional Mm -hmm. and they have one plot and it's like to take over the world or to do this one thing. Mm -hmm. And Michael Shannon's truly fighting for his race. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not, he wants to take over earth just to take over earth. He wants to bring Kryptonians back Mm -hmm. because they were a great people. They Mm -hmm. were an intellectual people. They were a strong people. And it's just, like you said, it adds depth to his character. And I, I really like how Michael Shannon portrayed it the other kryptonians that were part of the ship they all they were faceless yeah they were pretty faceless there's the the female who is also she looked very similar to the one that was in superman too right but again she's just kind of a foil for lois and she punches superman pretty hard right (laughs) but that's pretty much it yeah they were they were faceless they're very indistinguishable Mm -hmm. i i didn't i didn't know which was which i didn't care they had no personality Right. right um but yeah, that's that's where I think advantage goes to Superman two for having just three right. and instead and, of eighty and, and giving and and honestly kind of being a cheater without having to fully develop a personality for the big one mm-hmm. by making him mute. Yep, that, which they did was, in this one too. Right, if you notice, there was but, the really big guy that never took off his mask who was mute. But that was bland. I know because. Because even so, they still gave character to the mute guy in Superman 2. But but again, that's what I mean. Yeah, but it's still a, a sort of a cheater thing because without right. um, you know, having to give him dialogue. Right. You like, can see his face. And... Like, oh gosh, we got to write for three of these people. Uh, this guy's mute. He's going to do a lot with his eyes. And kind of and his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Okay. yeah, that works. That yeah. works. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I think... A lot of people hated Man of Steel. Even if they enjoyed the movie, the ending forced a lot of people's hands because their Superman from their childhood didn't kill. And so seeing Superman kill Zod, snap his neck, really, I mean, this is a quote that came out after that movie. It ruined people's childhoods. And that's why we do this podcast to talk about these types of things. So the killing of Zod, although you could see the pain, Henry Cavill, I mean, so amazing in that scene, begging him to not do it, begging him to stop, and then making the only decision he could to save the people he was trying to protect, to me, makes sense. But most of the world that saw the movie didn't agree. Yeah, but that principle had to be a little flexible at that point the never like, killing or what well what well, what who, principle yeah never killing. never killing yeah. who, did, who does he never kill because at that point he hadn't ever even been superman so there's no i'm putting my finger on my nose and pointing at eric right now because that's a huge part of it's this not film. like we'd seen him deliberately not kill somebody and now, oh my gosh, I got to do this, and it's hard for me. Why? I haven't mm-hmm. seen you not kill anybody yet. You haven't even been Superman, but for an hour, as far as Earth is concerned, right. you just literally got here, even though you've been living here. Yeah, you just put on the suit, man. Also, kind of like we talked about, like, oh, Superman doesn't kill anybody, except for all the people that die in buildings when he and Zod go blasting through them. So, like, when Zod grabs him and throws him, and then Superman like crushes him, and they go 
flying through a skyscraper and all these people in the offices going, ah, boom, 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 and the building, and the building falls. falls. Is Superman the whole time going, Zod's fault, Zod's fault. That one's on Zod, that one's on Zod, that one's on Zod, that one's on Zod, 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 Zod. No, that was Zod. I didn't do that. That was Zod. Oh, that skyscraper's coming down. It's because Zod made me do that. You know? It's like, come on. All the people in Smallville, the collateral damage there. Pete yeah. Ross survived, but everybody else pretty yeah. much died in that Denny's or I mean, IHOP or to whatever. To make it, it was. such a big deal, like, I can't kill him. I don't make me do it. Why? Mm-hmm. Where, where did we set this up? Look at look at what you just did. Yep. This is you com- just destroyed downtown Metropolis. This is coming up in the next movie, buddy. Yep. You know, speaking Batman's of, really mad about it. <laughs> speaking of, Batman is really mad about it because Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, the ultimate edition, picks up during the Battle of Metropolis. Yeah. Where Bruce is getting dropped off in his helicopter in Metropolis, because in this universe, we didn't know this until this movie, but in this universe, Gotham and Metropolis are an Oakland, San Francisco kind of deal. They are two major cities. Battle of the Bay. Battle of the Bay, exactly. They are two major cities across the bay from each other. There's a bridge that connects them. And so Wayne, Bruce Wayne, hops in his helicopter from Gotham, gets dropped off in Metropolis, gets in his awesome Jeep Renegade, right? Jeep Renegade, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And drives through this battle, this destruction that's happening in the city of Metropolis to get to Wayne Financial to try to save his people because Batman's all about saving people, right? Mm-hmm. And at this point, so we're, we're supposed to believe in BVS that Batman's kind of not been Batman as much lately. He's slowed down. He's had a lot of things happen over the past 20 years in his life as Batman, and he's not as active. He's still active, but he's not as active. So he runs in not as Batman, which you would think he would come to try to save the day as Batman. He runs in as Bruce Wayne to save the day because he's not taking that mantle as such anymore. And so he picks the Bat mantle back up because he needs to find what's going on with these aliens, right? Mm-hmm. He needs to know what who Superman is or what Superman is. But you know how you have a job... You know, whatever that job is, if you're a school teacher or whatever, but you're in an environment where, gosh, just can't find a job around here. Can't find a job around here. It's really, really hard, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. I, I can't find a job. I should move. I should move somewhere else where the job's better. So why do criminals even stay in Gotham? Dude, I don't know. I mean, talking about Batman slowing down, like he should slow down and pretty much come to a crawl. Like criminals have a choice of where they can commit crime. Why are they still doing it where there's a vigilante running around? It's like they can relocate, you know? It's like, hey, there's jewelry stores in Chicago. Let's go to Chicago. I mean, this Gotham place, it's kind of got the Batman, you know? But are they walking around going, I know, but the kids are in school. They got their friends. And uh, I really, really don't want to uproot them right now. I guess I'm just going to have to still be a criminal even though there's a Batman. My hands are tied. Yep. It's like that's actually exactly what happens. The schools in Gotham <laughs> are great. Some of the best in the country. I don't know if you know that, but even though they're in the most war-torn city in the United States, best schools in the country. I I don't know why they stay in Gotham to be well, honest. This, it, it Batman is very crazy. Slowed down. It's like Batman should have pretty much been out of business because all the criminals should have went and committed crime somewhere else. That yep. just makes sense. Especially because like, why we, we stay in? especially because we know that there's really no age of heroes right now. Right. So everywhere outside of Gotham, they can commit whatever they want. Right. And only the police are after him. But. Well, yeah. Mom's still at her place. And (laughs) 
she won't move to Florida. I keep telling her go to Florida, so I gotta stay here and be a criminal, <laughs> even though there's them. a Batman. There's so many jewelry stores in Miami we could hit, <laughs> but we're just not gonna make it there. BVS sets up that Batman sees the destruction that Superman causes, and then realizes that he is an alien from another planet that has all of these powers that it, if he ever wanted to, he could turn on anybody. And that is his motivation. Pretty much he says almost exact, exactly that mm-hmm. to Alfred. Mm-hmm. And Alfred's trying to convince him, like, go talk to the guy. Maybe he's not a bad guy. But Bruce is like, nope. Mm-hmm. We've seen these people before. You know, we've dealt with this kind of thing before. We have to be ready. So they then introduce, uh, so Bruce, is con- he, he has his conflict trying to figure out how to stop the Superman. Then we get introduced to another character that you and I both uh, have already talked about outside of this recording, which is Lex Luthor. Or I'm sorry, they really call him by his name, Luthor. They make sure to, every time they say it, they hit that Luthor. Well, that's the way Christopher Reeve said it, right. and I love it. Too I late, do. Luthor! Yeah. Too late. Yep. He had the best lines. Mm-hmm. He was so good. <laughs> he was good. But um, oh. the Lex that we get in this film is not Gene Hackman. He is not a hack like Gene Hackman What played the character. What's his name? Jesse Eisenberg. Plays Lex in a very different way. He plays him like a Joker. He does. He does. He plays him like he's just a little too crazy. insane. Yeah. A little too insane. Mm-hmm. Like, just... He's not all there, and he's smarter than everybody else, but he's also crazier than everybody else, and those two don't mix no, in Lex Luthor. Not in Lex Luthor. It was it was also a lot of, like, Jim Carrey's Riddler. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, because he's super smart. I guess you're right, yeah. But then he had just that wacky part of him. Yeah. And it just that just does not work for Lex Luthor for me. I, I just, I think that just misses. I agree. And, we, and you even joked, you said, well, are we going to get you know, Michael Rosenbaum? It's like, yes. Yeah, get Michael Rosenbaum. Because he killed it as Lex Luthor. He killed did. it. He did. He was really good in Smallville. If any of you out there haven't watched, we've already raved about it three different times. You should check out Smallville. But And now that I say it out loud, man, him being 10, 15 years older? He would have been, been perfect. perfect. would have been perfect. He would have been perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. But we got a big name actor like Jesse Eisenberg, who's very famous from the social network and from Zombieland. And to be fair, he did a good job of what he was doing. Right. I just did not think it fit. The choices. The, the, the choices character. for the character weren't, no. weren't no. Lex Luthor. No. And we may get a lot of people that's, that disagree with us, but I, again, BVS, theatrical cut, was a, to me... It was a good movie. I enjoyed it. A lot of people hated it. Not too many people loved it. A few people loved it. But then there's a good contingent of people out there that that thought it was good. And I'm one of those people. I thought it was good. But the Ultimate Edition is a really good film. Yeah, I did not really like the theatrical. The problem is still Lex. Mm -hmm. In the whole Ultimate Edition... The Lex doesn't go away. It just gets deeper. Mm -hmm. There's more Lex Mm -hmm. to disagree with the choices of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's hard to really take the movie seriously because he's pulling all the strings. Mm -hmm. He's making everything happen, which doesn't really line up. If you look at continuity of what's happening in the film, 
there's no way that he could have gotten Bruce the note that Bruce saw exactly when the, the Senate, you know, the House of Representatives or well, the Senate blew up. Like, and all these things, it's all, like, for the movie, right, quote-unquote. Well, but that's, again, if you're going to fall the Dark Knight for anything, it's that the Joker's plan was so perfect mm-hmm. that if any one little thing would have fallen apart on that, like, did he know Commissioner Gordon was alive? I mean, did he? To do, to do all that? Like, if mm-hmm. any of that falls apart, mm-hmm. <clears throat> if the Joker actually wins that day in the semi-truck and yeah. doesn't get caught, what does he do? Go surrender? Like, oh, crap, that big stage battle kind of backfired yeah. on me because I got away with it. Yep. I guess I'm just going to have to go let myself get captured? Like, yeah, I don't... You're right. Yeah, so, so yeah, so his plan, <clears throat> his plan, though... There's a there's a graphic novel that is incredible called it's just called Joker and it's about an old Joker that gets let out of Arkham. It is probably my absolute favorite graphic novel ever. It's so so good. Well, the same people and I, I believe it's Jeff Johns. I don't remember who the artist is. Um, I won't even try to guess. But the same artist, Jeff Johns. They do one called Luthor. And it's a similar premise where he's trying to expose Superman for the fraud that he is. And so it's all these intricate, unrelated things that ding, 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 build to the climax. And sure. it's it's not as good as Joker, but it's still like pretty like, wow, that is like the length somebody would go to for a frame up job, mm-hmm. basically. You know, yeah. that's and that's all really Luthor is doing is framing Superman and then right. and then kind of you know kind of framing him twice um to get to get the interaction with uh, well he frames him once and that's what gets batman all riled up but then he sort of his whole plan to, with the kidnapping to get right to get him to, martha yes martha why'd you say that name <laughs> why'd you say that name where is she <laughs> like the is, is it a rule that batman has to shout something odd like that yes it is like the rule. other day who I don't remember who we were talking about. You were oh, you were setting up something from work, and you had an email from somebody named Rachel. And immediately I go, Rachel. <laughs> it's like anytime the name Rachel is said, it's mandatory. You go, Rachel. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. It's it's the other thing. So going back to what I didn't love about BBS, even the Ultimate Edition, is that Luthor had he is supposed to be the smartest man on the planet. But in the comics, he still doesn't know secret identities. No. Right? He still, he can't figure out secret identities. But in this film, before we even meet him, he He knows knows who Clark is. He knows who Bruce is. And when he invites them both to the gala, he's setting it up right there. He wants the two of them to interact. Because he knows Bruce is going to do some Batman shit at the gala to try to figure out what Luthor's doing. And he knows that Clark is going to figure out that Bruce is kind of up to something. And of course, when they come together, Lex, I, it's never been said before that Lex has met Clark, but he walks up to them both. Like he knows them Mm -hmm. intimately, Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent. Oh, that's a strong, whatever he says when he Mm -hmm. taps him on the chest, like right there, he's giving away. I know you're Superman. I know it right here. And nobody, you know, you're not going to catch it because you're focused on this other guy that I'm setting you up to start to disagree with. 
It's smart. It's smart that he did all of it, but it just never sits right. Well, the whole plan it's not supposed to know who they are. But the whole plan doesn't make sense because he believes Superman <laughs> answers to nobody and he's a god and you know God needs you know the angels you know the paintings upside down that mm-hmm. he said you know all that yeah whatever nonsense. But ultimately, a lot of nonsense he says. But then he goes later on in the movie when he sets up the fight. And he goes, all it took was a little push. Well, why didn't he team up with Bruce Wayne? Why Lex, didn't he... you mean? Huh? Lex. Why yeah. didn't Lex why team didn't up? just team up with him? Because at that point, they were on the same team. Well, he knows that Bruce doesn't respect him. And it's pretty apparent in the movie. He knows that Bruce doesn't want, have any, ha, want to have anything to do with Lex. He still, as the smartest man in the world or whatever, could have engineered a better plan like knowing okay bruce wayne is batman i know they both are mad at superman Mm -hmm. so maybe i just give him a little more cheese and he'll follow me into the maze instead of this elaborate (laughs) runaround and and again hoping Mm -hmm. that he's going to put together the bat buster suit or whatever it's called and do all of those preparations you know like again, that that's where he, like the same thing with Dark Knight. The Joker's plan falls apart if like eight people yeah. don't do everything exactly the way he hopes they do them. Right. Like, what if Batman would have thought like, "Gee, how do I fight Superman? There ain't no way I can do that." Maybe I, I mean, should I'll talk try. To him. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, it just it it just doesn't make sense because if he already was like, "I don't want Superman," I know he doesn't want Superman. Then let's put two and two together. Well, it's it's interesting because since he knows that Bruce is Batman. He's leading him to the white Portuguese, which is a ship. Right. And the ship is bringing in kryptonite. Right. And he's leading Batman to get the kryptonite right. from right. the container. Right. Superman is the one that stops Batman from getting the kryptonite. So right. then Batman has to go break into the LexCorp facility later. That was probably not part of Lex's plan. Right. He probably wanted Batman to take it right then. Right. But he he still is figuring out ways to engineer things on the fly. And that's supposed to show how smart Lex is. But with the crazy aspect of how Jesse Eisenberg plays the character, it just comes off kind of loony. Mm-hmm. So skipping forward to the end, speaking of the fight between Batman and, and Superman, when he gets Lois, when Lex gets Lois on the rooftop of LexCorp, he is just way out of his gourd. Mm-hmm. He's just way out of it. And how the fuck would he have ever known? Like, even to rev- to engineer all of these other things, how would he have known that he would have gotten into the pod with the ship and then be able to get Zod's body and put it in there and then put his blood in it and create Doomsday? He would never have known that before being able to get access to the ship. So that part of the plan never would have come right, together. Right. But it's like that was part of the plan all along, mm-hmm. which doesn't make sense. So if we're talking plot holes, so at the beginning of the movie when he rescues Lois Lane and you and I have debated this and we've actually Googled it to see how fast Superman can fly. Cause I was under the premise that he's in New York city, metropolis, whatever. And he can in San Francisco and he can sense, <laughs> he can sense Lois's heartbeat racing because she's in trouble. And so he flies over there real fast. Uh, according to the interwebs, uh, the fastest he can fly is Mach 16 in the DC extended universe, uh, which is 12,000 miles an hour, roughly. Mm-hmm. 
and it would be 6,000 miles from New York City to the Middle East. So it would take him about a half hour to fly there at his fastest speed. No. So I guess then he couldn't have sensed her and got there a half hour because she basically has been taken hostage for about four to five minutes roughly. So that he couldn't, he's not fast enough to do that at that distance. So he had to have been close. But that was always my premise in the movie was like, wait a minute, he can sense Lois is in trouble half a world away, but Jesse Eisenberg's got his mom trapped in a building like five blocks away. And he can't like with the super hearing go, I hear mom's heartbeat racing because she's panicked. Like, so for the first part, sure. Maybe he was lurking in the area watching over Lois. Mm -hmm. I still contend his mom's heartbeat had to have been attuned to him. The same way you walk into a crowded room with loud noise and somebody goes, Eric, and you turn your head. So, um, so my point is, yeah. I think he would have been attuned. I think he would have heard his mom's panicked heartbeat in, in, Here's, in just a couple blocks away. I, I, I so don't see why he wouldn't. I just have to say that we have never seen Superman in the DC Extended Universe be able to hear things further than, I don't know, maybe half a mile. We've never seen it. Now, the one go. time we now, see... That's a great point. The one time we that we see him... We have not seen it in this new universe. Right. So if there are new rules that we're not aware of, mm -hmm. then... Like, if you think of the Brandon Routh right. Superman, we talked about Brandon Routh, right? right. He you're goes right. up, Brandon Routh goes up into outer space. Yes, and hovers, And stands there like and just closes one. his eyes and listens. You're right. And then knows where to fly. We never see this Superman do that. We never... Right, you're right. I'm going off of a premise of past Superman. Right. Not... Not not the current one I'm actually watching in the new universe mm -hmm. with its own set of rules. Yeah. So you're correct. You're correct. So I, I will now release that plot point in my head and say, that's crummy. Yeah. I, uh, be, and I only say that because the only time we no, hear him right. use you're his right. super hearing in BVS is when Lois is trapped under in the aqueduct, which also doesn't make any sense. There's an aqueduct over in this weird random part of Gotham, but she's trapped trying to get the spear and he hears her like muffled underwater and her heartbeat and her pounding. And he runs, rushes to, to save her. And that's the furthest we ever see that he can hear. Which is about how far? I would have to think it's maybe half a mile because when he looks, the building is pretty far away, but not too yeah, far away. Yeah, it's right there, right. Probably okay. not even half a mile, maybe well, a quarter mile. Like we were saying with Man of Steel, like, oh, it's such a thing. Superman doesn't kill. And I say, well, we never established that. Mm -hmm. He's only been Superman for a minute. So I guess I have to listen to my own. <laughs> yes, listen to your own. Your my own rebuttal, yep. which is, hey, we never saw him hear things miles and miles and miles away. Yep. So that being the case, yeah, I can I can let that go. Okay. Um, but. That's what this podcast does, don't man. Like it, it. it brings us together. It solves problems. It's, that's why we do this. So the fight, though, I, I don't want to glaze over BVS to get right to Doomsday because I want to talk about the fight because it is badass. But I also have a major problem with it that I told you about a couple nights ago when we watched Man of Steel, or I'm sorry, BVS together. Superman knows that he has to go to Batman and say, I need your help. My mother's been held captive. Lex 
wants us to kill each other, wants one of us to kill the other. And he has my mother held captive and he's going to kill her Mm -hmm. if we don't do that. Mm -hmm. He shows up. Batman doesn't want to listen to him. Mm -hmm. He just wants to fight because he's he's red with rage, right? He's angry. Mm -hmm. So Batman does all this shit to stop Superman from from attacking him. Like he does the sonic blast things Mm -hmm. that he then rips up a manhole cover and throws them and stops them. Mm -hmm. And then he, as soon as Clark tries to talk to him again, he turns on those machine guns, which he should know would do nothing. I don't know why that's even there. But turns on those machine guns and Superman gets up and eye lasers them away. Right. It's not even heat vision in this universe. But he then rushes up to Batman, puts his hand on him. Instead of trying to talk to him, just pushes him and he goes flying. And then he walks over to him, picks him up and throws him. And then after he gets up again, he picks him up and like using his flight Mm -hmm. Knocks him through a building onto the roof and then throws him into his bat signal and tells him to stay down. In the time that he tells him to stay down, even if we're going to talk about Superman losing his temper, which he shouldn't. But even if we're going to say, yeah, he can lose his temper. When he's yelling at him to stay down, just say, stay down. Luthor is the one doing all of this. My mother is held captive. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. Just say it. But no. Then we wouldn't get this awesome fight. But still... It doesn't make sense that Superman wouldn't do everything in his power to stop this fight Mm -hmm. because he only has an hour, less than an hour, to save his mother. So why waste 30 minutes fighting with Batman? Right. And you can can cut to all that if you just kryptonite blast him immediately Mm -hmm. and then have Superman or Batman start beating the crap out of him. And then he's got to defend himself because he's weak. Well, I'm just saying, cut to the chase. Like he, He had so many opportunities. Yeah. He to, did to, to talk and then doesn't. Yep. And that doesn't make sense. Yep. What would make sense is, oh, gosh, I can't even say anything because now I'm getting hit in the face and it hurts because mm-hmm. it never used to hurt. Right. Right. And we'd already we already talked about how fast Superman is flying at Mach 16 in the DCEU. Right. Freaking move at Mach 16 and take the armor off of Batman, disarm him of everything that he has, make him stand basically naked in his bat undies on the street and say, Hey, Luthor's doing this to us. Right. But no, they decide to fight, which is awesome to see it's on cool, screen. But but doesn't make sense in the context of what he's doing in the movie and how he needs to save his mother. Right. But then we do, I mean, if we didn't get all that, we wouldn't get this scene because we have all these flashbacks of Bruce and his mom's name is Martha. And now we get this connection that nobody's ever put together in the entire world of the DC universe until now that Clark's mother's name is Martha and Bruce's mother's name was Martha. I've never seen a comic or a movie or a TV show that has ever commented no, on both of them no, being named Martha. No, they never talked about so it. So the fact that this movie did it and Zack Snyder had the, the, the prowess to write the script in a way where Superman says, Martha, save Martha. Mm-hmm. Because still, he's not going to give up that he's Clark Kent, right? He's still not going to give it up. Save Martha. Then that humanizes... Superman to Batman mm-hmm. because Batman's mother was named Martha that he's obviously not over her getting killed mm-hmm. as we see by him dressing up like a bat every night. And then Lois runs in and says, his mother's name is Martha. Mm-hmm. That makes Batman take a step back and actually literally take a step back. Cause he takes his foot off of Clark's mm-hmm. throat 
and see him not as just an alien here to to destroy, mm-hmm. but as someone who is raised by humans mm-hmm. who's here to help. And so a lot of people, again, hated it because of the whole Martha. But why did you say that name? <laughs> but it, it's, it, it again, Zack Snyder adding depth to this film and these characters humanizes them and gives them another reason to bond. Mm-hmm. And we talked about, again, another thing that I love is the two lines in the film. The one that I love that Batman says, my favorite line that he says, is he says to Alfred, you know, how many good guys have we known and how many stayed that way? When, and that's his defense in wanting to go after Superman. And then you brought up the line that Clark says, which was, what was that line again? I don't remember. It was something, something like... Something along those lines. Yeah, like the how many good guys are out there. Mm-hmm. It's like the t- parallels between the characters that Zack Snyder was showing us, that they are fighting the same cause and they have the same ideals. They're just going about it just differently. Just different angles. Yeah, and just going about it differently. And that's why Martha is the one tie. Yep. Like, what is exactly the same? We both had a mom named Martha. That's black and white. Right. There, there's no subjectiveness to it. It's just a fact. And like you said, one that's just never, ever been brought up, at least in the comics. Because, again, you'd have to write a whole story that went where this one went to mm-hmm. even have that even play in. Mm-hmm. You know? Otherwise, you've just got Batman and Superman sitting around one day just shooting the shit going... I don't know. Which so my mom, you know, Martha Kent, you know. Oh, you're Martha Kent, you're right? Oh, Martha, uh, Martha Wayne. Okay, Marvin Martha. Oh, that's weird, yeah. Well, I mean, it was kind of a name back in the 30s, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Maybe that happened in an episode, of, or an episode, a, a comic in JSA back in the, the 60s, Could've. but who knows? Yeah. It just seems like, I mean, it, it's a great bond to bring them together. Which then leads to the best Batman fight that I personally have ever seen in live action, which is the warehouse scene, the Martha scene, mm-hmm. where he saves her in the warehouse when he is doing all of the Batman things that you would ever want to see Batman do mm-hmm. from, you know, jumping up out of the floor and being in the rafters and pulling guys up and mm-hmm. throwing boxes and using his grappling hook, like everything that you would want Batman to do. Ben Affleck is able to accomplish as Batman in that scene, or really his stunt double, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool. I mean, I liked it. Not as much as you did. Mm-hmm. I did. It was cool, but nothing, you know, I I sort of liked probably my favorite Batman action sequence is Dark Knight when he goes in and uh, takes out the, uh, the, the hostages who are actually the prisoners, right? The, the mm-hmm. reversal. Yeah. The clowns are the hostages, and he does the whole flip around. Or he rather, he ends up, you know, taking out the uh, taking out the SWAT team and taking out the uh, some of at least the hostages mm-hmm. that were actually the terrorists. Right, right. That is a good scene. That is a good scene. I just the way that Affleck moves or the stuntman moves as Batman is more fluid than we've seen in any other film. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think I feel like it's the most Batman. And there's a lot of movements that happen in Justice League, especially in the Zack Snyder cut, because they CGI, but also just make him move like you would expect Batman to move when he's grappling, when he's... There's the one scene when Steppenwolf is going after him, and he just shoots his grappling hook and moves and it's just so quick and so smooth. And it's, 
this guy's been doing it for 20 years and you can see that he has honed his craft. It's, it's great. So how did you feel about the doomsday sequence now? Now that we've, we've gotten through the Batman Superman fight, the Martha warehouse doomsday's here. Yeah. What, what do you think about doomsday? It's very different than the comic version of doomsday yeah. we got. Yeah. It was a very good looking video game cutscene. That's honestly the way I felt about it because three quarters of the movie is this in-depth character trying to link Batman and Superman and make them see that vigilante justice versus boy scout justice, you know, <laughs> and you know, one being, uh, invincible, the other one being a man right. and they have more in common than they have opposite. And they really do do this exact same thing. It's just, one has lost a little faith. One still has it, but you see what happens when Superman loses a little faith. He doesn't negotiate and he right. becomes kind of the thing that he doesn't like right. until they both realize they had a mom. Yeah. Yep. Um, but then after all that great storytelling, let's have a very dark, like literally dark, it's dim lighting. Yeah. And anytime I see dim lighting and a CGI monster, all I think is somebody just didn't want to pay to make a really good CGI battle scene hmm. because anybody who does it in the dark is, is covering up Yeah. because you go, well, we can just put like some explosions. Yeah. You can just kind of, you can hide things in the dark. You know, yeah. that's why the more impressive movies are like, you know, Spider-Man uh, far from home when he's fighting all those drones and everything over the uh, tower bridge. Yeah. That's yeah. all. That's all daylight. Yeah, it all looks great. It does. It's all still CGI, but it just was so dark and Doomsday looked so generically plain. Uh, he, there was nothing defining about him. It was like he was a mob of clay. Yeah, that just kind of came to life. He was Gumby. That's interesting. You say that. I have a different perspective. He was a blob of clay. <laughs> Doomsday. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't dislike the Doomsday fight. I just don't like. I mean, I I understand why they brought Doomsday into this universe the way they did, but I love the the death and return of Superman storyline in the comics. It is one of my favorite storylines that I've ever read in comics. All right, that's cool. And for the sure. fact that they were, you know, they set up Doomsday for months upon months before ever introducing him as a character in the comics. All you got was a final panel in several Superman comics of a fist punching underground. And it just continued to build and build and build. And then we finally got Doomsday out from underground and he started fighting his way across the country to find Superman because he was Kryptonian. And we get this weird amalgamation of Michael shannon's zod with lex luthor's blood it it just doesn't hit right with me we've just gotten superman he's been around for less than two years he hasn't probably fought any of his big bads right it's just been him saving cats out of trees because ben affleck talks about how the daily planet writes puff pieces about him saving cats in trees mm -hmm. he Which probably has a good nod to the old superman right it is but I, I don't think that we've, we haven't, as an audience, seen Superman do Superman things other than destroy Metropolis with Zod. Mm -hmm. And we're introducing this character who is 
supposed to be the Superman killer. And it's too soon. And that is what I don't like about the end of this movie. We shouldn't have gotten Doomsday at the end. We should have had Luthor doing something else if his plan didn't work. And yeah, he did something else if his plan didn't work, but I don't know how he could have planned to create Doomsday or known it would have been Doomsday. It's, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So even if we had Luthor in like his power suit, like even if we got that because he had a kryptonite, that would have been cool. But bringing Doomsday out so soon and not saving him for a future movie, I think is like a cheat. But it then sets up Justice League and gets the characters together. So like, I feel, I don't know, I go back and forth about it. I don't love that it's in BVS, but I understand why it's in BVS. And then I do like that it was done for Justice League. So it's hard. I don't know. I agree. I'm having an internal debate with myself over on the microphone. I agree with all that. And that's what I mean. It felt Mm -hmm. like three quarters of the movie was one thing. And then Mm -hmm. now we need something big for them to fight. And I get that. It's like, you know, Godzilla versus Kong comes out in two weeks. And I am fairly positive. I don't know that I've seen it anywhere. I think I might have seen rumors of it. But Godzilla and Kong are going to fight each other. But most likely, they're going to have to fight something else after they realize they shouldn't be fighting each other. And it's going to be the exact same thing. It's, maybe it's Mecha Godzilla, Maybe it's some other kaiju beast. But they're both good guys, quote-unquote, in the monster universe. So they're going to have to come together to fight something else. And we don't know what that bigger thing is right now. And that's what BVS did, is they made them come together to fight each other and then realize they're on the same side to then fight something bigger and badder, which is just not great CGI. And no matter, even if they take it out into outer space and a nuke goes off in outer space, Doomsday still falls in the exact same spot that he was in. Right. Even though there's no way his trajectory would have brought him back in that same spot. Right. But it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Wonder Woman comes out to her music, which doesn't fit in the score that we got of that movie, but it is awesome music. That's great. So that was cool. And it shows off what a badass Diana is as Wonder Woman, as our introduction. Like I kind of said earlier in the podcast, it was too much. It really was Mm -hmm. too much. Her storyline. It didn't make a lot of sense. It didn't. It it was just, it was too much of a departure from what we were already setting up. Mm -hmm. And I, I, again, I think she's great as Wonder Woman. It's just. It's almost like you needed more movies. Yeah, they did. They did need more movies. And that's a fault of the DC. Of It's really a fault of WB, right? They wanted to rush all of this together to compete with the Avengers and to compete, compete with Avengers 2 and to compete with yeah. Endgame. And, you know. Yeah, it, it, was, it was too rushed. It was too rushed. If they could have made... Three more Man of Steel style movies with their characters right. to build to them to come together in BVS and then build to more of them to come together in Justice League would have been great. Mm-hmm. But we got Man of Steel to BVS to Justice League, which was, I mean, Wonder Woman came in between that and Aquaman came after Justice League, but it was it was all too too quick. Yeah, it wasn't a great order. 
So let's let's jump into Justice League. So Batman, so Superman dies. He uses the staff of Kryptonite to kill Dark uh, Dark Side to kill Doomsday, but Doomsday also kills him. And so the end of the movie is Ben Affleck finally having faith again, or Batman finally having faith again, and wanting to be a hero again and not be the dark vigilante that doesn't care about killing people. So he tries to convince Gal that they're going to need to get together and create a team. And she's like, I don't know about that, and goes off. And that leads directly into Justice League, which we now have seen this four-hour epic movie that Zack Snyder has put together that the fans have clamored for for years. And it it starts off right where that movie lets, lets up. Like it is, it is immediately following in. Right. We had talks while we were watching it last night. The through the four hours, we kept pausing. And we we're like, "How long was this? Is it a couple weeks? Is it a couple months? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't. We don't really know. They don't never explicitly say. I think in the whole movie how long it's been since Superman died. Mm-hmm. But it's. I think it's probably three months. And time, you know, probably another couple weeks goes by through the course of the movie mm-hmm. as they're trying to get the other heroes to join them. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think much longer than six months has gone by by the end. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what you think after seeing the film now. I agree. Hmm. Okay. So Justice League came out in 2017 and it did very poorly in well, the box I office. I agree because the Zack Snyder version... Spoilers, so here we go. Yeah. When Superman dies, that shockwave is what wakes up the mother boxes. Yeah. yeah. So this movie couldn't be that much further past even three months. Right. Because otherwise, the mother box has been on for three months and finally Steppenwolf hears it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, maybe it's a week. Who knows? We don't it know. Find be, out. It might even be shorter than that. Yeah. Right. But, but I wouldn't. Well, long enough for <laughs> uh, Martha Kent's house to get repossessed by right, the bank. Right. Because that's like, wait a minute. How long's Clark been dead and the house is gone? <laughs> I mean, wait, what? She didn't have any savings? And like we talked about, that's mm-hmm. the Kent farm. Yeah. Now, again, we're going by lore from other sources. But in this universe, we don't know that it's been handed down from generations. Unless... Jonathan said it in Man of Steel. I don't think he did. But the Kent Farm is the Kent Farm. You know, they talk about, you know, the the great grandfather yeah. farming the back 40. Yeah. And and now, you know, Superman dies and they, they take her farm just like that. It's just like that's they have the longest mortgage ever. That's really what it is. They they didn't buy the house for, you know, how long's the mortgage? Usually 30, 30 years. 30, right? They had 360, 360 right. years. That's what that mortgage was. And I get, you know, hey, it's hard. You know, sometimes farmers got to remortgage, you know, and do that stuff to get the farm. But, but geez, you know, mm-hmm. he's Superman. You yep. can't go find a diamond, <laughs> right? Make a diamond, right? He could crush one well, in his fist. Well, I mean, crush some coal. And there would be nothing wrong with that. Well, making the diamond, maybe. But he could go find one. Yep, he could. As long as he just wasn't taking a diamond that was somebody else's diamond. 
I'm sure there's diamonds out there that are on property that he can just take a diamond. He could use his, his x-ray vision and find oil, buy a little patch of land, and then drill yeah, for oil. For Boom, sure. set for life. That's that's nothing. That's that's not that kind of, you know, that, that's a flexible rule, I that think. Is, yeah. As long as you're not taking somebody else's. I I think I could live like that. I need those superpowers so I could do that. Just go find diamonds and drill, yeah. drill for oil. and So, yeah. But no, he's just going to die and days later his mom's house is repossessed by the bank. So again, you said 3 months and I'm guessing at least 3 to make getting your house repossessed make sense because mm-hmm. like honestly she says, squatters rights. Right. She says I haven't made payments in a while. Right. Was she not making payments? Was she not making payments when Clark, while was, Clark alive? was alive? Yeah. She wasn't like, "Hey, you know, can you go find a diamond?" <laughs> you know? He's not sending money home anymore, so I don't know. Well, I mean, couldn't he also, like, people lose money all the time. He's Superman. He can go find so much change. <laughs> he, you know? Just stand above an apartment complex, x-ray vision, all the couch cushions, find yes! all the change in the couch cushions. Yes! You see those guys at the beach with the metal detector? You mm-hmm. do them with his head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's, to that's save funny. his mom's farm. <laughs> but you're that is the one in my in my opinion after watching the movie that is the one thing that just can't sit right with me is the farm going getting repoed it makes no sense everything else though everything else though i felt like had its place in the movie yeah and it was four hours long and the first two hours honestly felt like two hours but the last two hours did not felt like 40 minutes yeah it was for for a it four moved so hour, well for a four hour movie, that, yeah, I would say it felt like to me under three mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so everybody out there who's wary of watching it for it being four hours long, just do it. Even if you have to break it up, do it because it is it's so good. Uh, spoiler alert: it's so good. Um, so we meet the Flash. And we have his extended scene mm-hmm. that wasn't in the original mm-hmm. cut where he saves Iris uh, Iris West, who in the future will become Iris West Allen if we continue watching these characters. Um, and that was a interesting scene. I think there was a, like you had, you had brought up that the slow-mo was a little too much and they really played to Ezra Miller's like, kind of kookiness with him mm-hmm. taking a hot dog in his pocket and brushing the hair away from her face and then saving her. Yeah. Um, but it's the whole sequence that Zach set up was truly just to show how fast he is. Well, yeah, but I understand why they did it. It's mm-hmm. still, and then the hot dogs at least played. Yeah. Into the dog, into the getting, dog, thing, getting the but, dogs to eat something, but it, yeah, yeah. it was too much. It was weird. It was a little weird, but I liked that it was there. And then also Cyborg, we got a lot more backstory with how Cyborg was created and um, his past, I guess, with his relationship with his father and his mother dying. Like, mm-hmm. we got all that. We didn't have that in the first movie. Mm-hmm. He was just Cyborg. And we had seen it in that little clip Lex had, and so that's all we needed to know, right? Mm-hmm. But in this, we got to see why he became who he became and why he didn't love his father, why he had animosity towards his father. And just the character development that Ray Fisher 
was able to bring through with that character, I thought was great. I honestly, the more I think about it, Cyborg was maybe my second favorite character in the movie. Mm. I thought Ray did a really good job of emotionally showing who Cyborg was. Yeah, he's good. I didn't rank my favorites. I'm always probably going to go Batman's my favorite. And I just think that Ben Affleck knows how to be Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he does. He's so good. He definitely does. I mean, and Jeremy, it's so it's so yeah. sad that he's not going to do it anymore. You know. Yeah. Well, he'll do it for like probably a split second in the Flash movie, but that's it. What were you just going to say? Jeremy Irons. He's mm. really, really good. Yeah, he's a great Alfred. His little barbs. It's exactly mm-hmm. how Alfred talks in the comics. It's mm-hmm. perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But so, t- talk to me about Justice League. Talk to me about your thoughts. Four hours of that movie. Well, it was good. I mean, if if I was going to take that four hours, I would probably try to trim it to three, two fifty. Mm-hmm. And I think you could, yeah, because there's definitely stuff that does go on too long. Um, there's definitely scenes you don't need. Um, and and that's not to say that, like, oh, it's four hours and you're already talking about oh, it was too long. Well, yes and no. Like, like we said, it seems to fly by a four and a half, four hour movie in about two and a half mm-hmm. is what it feels like. Yeah. Like I couldn't believe when it ended, I was like, wow, Donnelly, that was quick. Yeah. But, uh, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you couldn't still revise it and be like, well, this scene doesn't need to have all this, this slow-mo can be a little faster. There were definitely some like walk in the rain, music swell scenes that it's just like, eh, we don't need all that. Mm-hmm. Let's just cut to the chase. Let's just let's just get there, and uh, and and it still makes sense. Yeah. And it's still fun. It it just is a little a little quicker. You can see though where in the footage that Joss Whedon did use, I said before when we started this that you could see where he cut certain things out that kind of play pretty heavily into the plot Mm -hmm. and the the points that he cut i think really make this a much better movie Mm -hmm. and all the stuff that he added like watching it now i know you like some of the comedy we've talked about how you like some of the comedy that joss injected into the film Mm -hmm. but i would so much rather have seen a two-hour version of Zack snyder's film with maybe a Joss Whedon line thrown in, mm-hmm. not a Joss Whedon scene mm-hmm. or reshoot. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the difference is that the WB was too afraid of what Zach was making. So they brought in somebody who had had success with Marvel movies mm-hmm. and said, do your thing. And that's not the thing the DC Universe needs. Right. So all in all, though, it's it's a beautiful movie. Steppenwolf looks in my in my opinion, again, I will continue to say it's I statements. My opinion, Steppenwolf looks so much better. He looks leagues better, if I can pun. Um, you can. He just the CGI on Steppenwolf, the outfit that he wears, it's just he he doesn't look. I don't know. Maybe it's stupid to say he doesn't look CGI because he still looks CGI. But in Joss Whedon's version, mm-hmm. he looked mm-hmm. like he was rendered. To seventy five percent, right. I think there were a lot of scenes again talking about what you can cut, like the whole history of where the mother boxes came from. Need to be condensed. Needed to be maybe 
a quick little two minute discussion instead of about a 10 minute battle flashback sequence mm -hmm. that also looked like a video game cutscene. Yeah. Yeah, it it was especially the gods. Mm -hmm. None of them looked real. And it was really weird. It looked mm -hmm. like they did mocap on a guy, mm -hmm. but instead of using his face and then mocapping his body, they mocapped his entire yeah. like his face too. The guy who played Zeus, he, yeah, he looked like a video terrible, game. Terrible, terrible. It was it was pretty bad. Yeah. But I thought it was cool to see all of them come together in a much more elaborate scene than we got in Joss Whedon's version because that scene was still there. It was just like you said, two minutes long. There was no dark side. In this movie, we got dark side. Mm -hmm. We got dark side coming in. We got Zeus and uh, Hippolyta. There's something about Earth that made Darkseid want to conquer Earth, and that was called the Anti-Life anti Equation, which is big in the comics, which is why Darkseid wants to come yeah. to Earth. That's, but, they just did a whole series about called Deceased. Hmm. It's like DC, right. capitalized, and right. then Ceased. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's uh, Darkseid gets the Anti-Life Equation um, out of uh, Cyborg. And then, basically, Earth is turned into zombies. That's cool. Yeah, it is. It is pretty cool. Um, I did not read the whole series. I read the first two, and then I was like, "eh, clever." Hmm. But then I kept the one comic because it had a really neat cover. Cool. <laughs> so the anti-life equation is here, and he he wants it. He needs it. But I guess he's defeated, and then he doesn't remember what planet he was on. <laughs> I know that cracked me up. Because when Steppenwolf gets here and realizes that it's the anti-life equation planet, he like broadcasts back to Darkseid, and Darkseid's like, "All right, let's do this. You found it. <laughs> you found it. It's been a thousand years. Awesome. Let's do it." Um. So, it it just was kind of weird. That's another thing that just doesn't seem to make sense. Mm -hmm. But maybe Darkseid just got the crap beat, that, beat out of him so bad he didn't yeah. remember where he went. He, he, he takes least... over thousands and thousands of worlds every day. So Sure. And I, I'd like to say you at least got to hand it to, to Thanos over in Marvel because he's at least coming up with a new angle on bad guy, which is... I just want to eliminate half the population of the universe. I don't want to take over any planets. I just want to make planets a little better, you know, from his point of view. From his, yeah. Because, like, this whole conquer Earth, conquer Earth, take over Earth, it's like, oh, my gosh, we've done mm -hmm. this. So that that is where I sort of fault the movie in the fact that, you know, Conquer Earth, Conquer Earth, Conquer Earth, over and over and over, and then and then the fact that they leave all three mother boxes on Earth, and yet they have a lantern that he couldn't take one off into space somewhere. Let's separate. These well, they things. killed the lantern. Did they? Yeah, Dark Side killed the lantern. In the oh, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, that's right. He gets the, the yeah. The ring, ring comes up. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. Joss Whedon's version, it wasn't Dark Side that killed him. It was Steppenwolf. I killed them. Mm. So that was an interesting change. Okay. But Zack Snyder had Darkseid do it, which I think was really cool because we want to see Darkseid, right? The nightmare scene that was in BVS mm -hmm. 
is we're we're getting to we're building to a point where if Darkseid conquers Earth, that is what happens. Mm-hmm. The nightmare sequence happens. And so this whole play that Batman is fighting for is to prevent what he saw in a vision of the future. Mm-hmm. And I think what's really cool at the end of this version, not to jump all the way ahead to the end, but at the end of this version, Zack Snyder reshot, he did reshoots for the movie. And one thing that he shot was a brand new nightmare sequence, which had um, Slade Wilson. It had Mera. Mm-hmm. It had Batman. Cyborg. She wasn't. Oh, she wasn't? Nope. I she was. Nope. I, was there Wonder Woman? I don't think Wonder Woman was there. Cyborg, Flash, and then the Joker. Jared Leto? Was that Jared? Mm-hmm. Jared Leto's Joker. Yeah. So since you are such a huge Joker fan, I didn't even ask you about this because I wanted to save it for us mm-hmm. recording right now. Mm-hmm. What did you think about that whole sequence? That whole nightmare sequence? I didn't like it. No? I didn't like Jared Leto's Joker really in Suicide Squad. Sure. Um, I mean, I did and I didn't. I didn't like his look. I didn't like his... I guess I just didn't like his look and his kind of attitude. He just seemed more like just violent drug dealer instead of insane underworld psychopath. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. He just didn't he just didn't seem to have the same kind of edge. He felt like a number two boss. Mm-hmm. He didn't feel like the boss. Mm-hmm. You know. Interesting. And, and I just, uh, but, but I, but I liked the scene where he opens up the machine gun and he's shooting and then he, come on to Harley. I was like, that is sweet. Yeah. And then I love the end actually, when he busts in and breaks her out, pulls off the, you know, his, his, uh, swap mask there. Mm -hmm. So I did, I did like some of the scenes. I just overall didn't like his His look and his, his vibe really. Yeah. Yeah. And so to see him there at the end kind of reminds me of like some other comics that I've read where they put a little bit more sameness into the Joker. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, eh, I don't like that. I like, yeah. I really enjoyed that last nightmare scene because it's, so that scene was supposed to be shot because it really was to set up Justice League 2. Because Justice League 2, Darkseid is supposed to come to Earth or in, in the plans for what would have been the Justice League trilogy. In Justice League 2, Darkseid comes to Earth and Batman has the opportunity to give his life to save Lois, but he doesn't. He thinks he can save her and Mm -hmm. save himself. And Darkseid eventually kills Lois, which is why Superman breaks down, completely is lost, and joins Darkseid's forces. And then the third movie was supposed to be that group of people working together using Barry and the Speed Force to go back in time. And then Batman would step in and give his life to save Lois. And then Superman would stop Darkseid. And so that would have been the whole trilogy, which I think would have been pretty cool to see. But we got our little snippet of what could have been in the next film from this last nightmare scene, Mm -hmm. which... 
Joe Manginello is awesome as Deathstroke, even though we only see him for a total of, what, four minutes on screen. Mm-hmm. He really has the presence of what you'd think Deathstroke would have. Um, and I, I just, I think Jared Leto as the Joker, I also didn't like his look and his vibe, same as you, from Suicide Squad. But I liked, I liked what this Joker had. It was different. Mm-hmm. It felt like a different version of the Joker. The things he was saying to Batman to try to rile him up seemed perfect. Mm-hmm. Seemed like what a, the Joker would do. In the movie, in this four-hour version, we got Martian Manhunter, which was pretty cool. Harry like Lennox. That. Harry Lennox plays the Martian Manhunter, um, who, which is great because he's been a character since Man of Steel. He's been in the three movies, mm-hmm. and seeing him now showing his true self because he feels he can is i think cool and really again sets up a second movie which we most likely won't get um what other scenes that popped out to you in this in this version what else was there off the top of my head no scenes that were in it pop out at me as much as scenes that were not in it that were in the other version mm-hmm. like they they skip over the whole family who lives just outside the place where steppenwolf is making his big uh the russian uh radioactive site. radioactive site and because that seemed like so weird mm-hmm. like there's one family who lives here and it's a big deal yeah i mean that just seemed odd and then uh yeah, that was that was a Joss Whedon ad, obviously, because it's not in this film at all. Right, and it really has no place in it. The the they set it up correctly in that, or Zack Snyder set it up correctly in that this place is devoid of life. It's like Chernobyl, mm-hmm. right? You don't live there because there was a nuclear explosion. Right, right. The place is radioactive. You can't live there. The only reason Steppenwolf chooses that place is because the mother boxes need. Right. Or they don't need it, but they feed off of it. Right. And he can then create his base, mm-hmm. as they said a couple oh times, gosh, and you laughed they at. They said it a hundred times. <laughs> Where's Steppenwolf's base? We need to find Steppenwolf's base. He made Steppenwolf's base. It's like you made your base. What are you, 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 third grade playing cops and robbers? Where's my base? It's my base. Playing superheroes out in the backyard. That's my base. It's like <laughs> your base? What's saying base? It's funny. Call it something else. It was funny. Anyway, but what, yeah, every what, time they said it, I did roll my eyes after you pointed it out a couple times. Yeah. What what scenes stood out to me? I mean, I th- I, I do think the whole end scene, I think, was better than you know, in the way, film. Way 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 better. Yeah, that fight made more sense. It mm-hmm. really did. Like it took like six of them forever to beat Steppenwolf, and this time it's like the fight seemed more, for lack of a better word, realistic balanced and balanced mm-hmm. that they fought the way they did and then they ended the way it did because right. it was quick yeah i agree it, it was, was it was still climactic mm-hmm. without being so dramatic and it's yeah. like really i don't need to see. everybody had a job yeah in this yes. in this version batman was how it was on the perimeter flash was charging up so that he could push stuff mm-hmm. uh cyborg into the boxes mm-hmm. to separate them and then Wonder Woman and Aquaman were on Steppenwolf duty. Mm-hmm. And that made sense. Mm-hmm. 
And then Superman in his black suit shows up, which looked awesome. Mm -hmm. And he helps everybody. He Mm -hmm. takes charge Mm -hmm. and helps everyone. And I think that's great. It was great. It was really, it was a much better ending. It, It was, there was great exposition, even though that's the part that seemed a little bit longer. Um, and then just all the rest of it, just it just had so much better flow. It just really made more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I guess that's... I, I liked it. Yeah. I did. And I did not like the Joss Whedon version. Sure. I, I didn't think it made any sense. I was so confused that Batman was trying to harness a parademon. Because I'm like, when did parademons get to Earth? Yep. Yeah. Where did they come from? Where did they come from? That made no sense. No sense. That whole opening, not opening scene. Well, the opening scene on the cell phone video with a bad mustachioed. Yeah. Or non-mustachioed Superman was awful. And then the Batman scene, although it was cool Batman action. It was. It made no sense to the film. It made no sense. No. And we we finally get the parademons coming down with Steppenwolf in uh, Themyscira. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The mother boxes are turned on because Superman did his scream, and for some reason that activated them. But they don't come until Steppenwolf brings them with him. Mm-hmm. I just every every aspect of the film I liked. I also liked the four three aspect ratio. It never bothered me that it wasn't in widescreen. I I liked that I actually saw more of the movie because. If you think about if they shoot in 4.3, they always cut it to be widescreen. So they always take off the top and bottom. Mm -hmm. So this, you got the full picture you would have at widescreen Mm -hmm. plus extra on the top and bottom. And I I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, it didn't bother me. I thought it was really cool. Um, So I guess we're, we're talking a lot about the film in very vague terms and we're just honing in on certain parts of it. We talked a long time about the other films and we're not... The one that I thought we'd talk the most about, we're talking the least about. Mm-hmm. But I think the, I think what really it comes down to is the fact that it's so new and we only watched it once mm-hmm. that it still hasn't settled. You know, I would have a lot more to say probably in another week or if I watched it one more time and then had some time I to I don't talk. have another four hours. Yeah, well, that's fine. I will find for it. I'm Honestly, I will probably just watch the last two hours over and over again because they move the last two hours from the minute that they go to the, the Island in Gotham where Steppenwolf is keeping the star labs people to the end, that movie just flows. Mm -hmm. It goes so fast. So I will watch that part over and over again. And maybe I'll go back to the first two hours where we see Lois on the hour, every hour. Um, I just, I, I I enjoyed it, and I think at this point, you know, I don't know how much more we want to say about it. So at this point, I'll just ask you: Did Zack Snyder's Justice League and the DC Extended Universe ruin your childhood? No, they uh, they, they they actually seeing Superman all the way through made me like it better than just seeing parts. I mean, I know that sounds like well, of course you watch the whole movie, you know, or you only read half the book, and you're like, oh, I didn't quite like it. I because uh, I I didn't I did not like the parts of Superman I saw, but seeing it all together, Man of Steel, I, I love that's pretty good. And then I watching the director's cut of Batman versus Superman made me like that movie more 
And then seeing Zack Snyder's version of what Justice League was supposed to be was directly from the comics. Mm-hmm. Like, I literally have those comics. Yeah. And it's like, this is better. Yeah. I still feel, though, it it's, it's still not as good for some reason as what Marvel's putting out. Sure. But... Um, as far as ruining it, it's like, no, it's like, geez, let's let these directors do their thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the, these cut up versions we see, you, you're losing, you know, nuance, mm-hmm. you're losing subtext, you're losing character. Yeah. And I, I get it. You still got to bring a movie in and, and that's still the director's job. If I was a director, 245 tops. And that's only if I'm dealing with some mega, mega property. But if I'm just doing like a one-off, two hours tops. A friend of mine back in Florida used to say, if a movie wasn't two hours long, he wasn't interested in it. Because if it was less than that, then you don't have a full story. That was his thought, Mm -hmm. was you don't have enough interesting things to say. If you're only coming in at an hour 30... You've got a premise, and that was his. That's interesting, and and I and I, I've always thought about that, and I'm like, you know, there is something to it. Like I'd like to watch a, you know, you know, a movie that's oh, how long is it? Hour, hour forty five. Oh, okay, yeah, that's pretty good. But no, he's like, no, nah, if you can't go two hours, you don't, you don't have a story. So he doesn't watch any horror movies. Probably not. They're all like ninety minutes. Probably, not. yeah. But but now, and just because I brought it up myself, I will add in there though. But like the good old Aladdin, Mermaid, mm-hmm. uh, Disney cartoons, sure. yeah, they're an hour and a half, right. and they are great. Right. And now they're remaking them at two hours and a little longer, and you're like, you don't need all that. Mm-hmm. So I think there is an exclusion to the rule of, <laughs> if you don't have a two-hour movie, you don't have enough to say. Well, Disney, or animated films in general, shouldn't be longer right. than... Because... because two definitely shouldn't be longer than two hours but i think an hour 30 to an hour 45 is a sweet spot for an animated film for sure because because largely you're you're telling fairy tales which a fairy tale is just a premise it it is exactly that it's a premise so you don't need to go much longer than that if you only have a premise and you go into it knowing you're watching a premise and that's fine but if you're going to watch a real substantial movie that's got any heart and and real feeling and, 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 you know, any sort of, like you've said, these are beautiful films, mm-hmm. any of that, you, you need, do need the time. So yeah. you got to go at least two hours. Sure. So I think Zack Snyder's Justice League would, it was four hours and one minutes long with the credits. It probably would have been three hours and 20 minutes if he didn't do slow motion as much as he did. Yeah. And then if you cut out the things you didn't need, you get it down to 245. Probably. And it would have been a fantastic oh, movie. Dude, you fantastic. edit that up and it would be great. Yeah. But yeah. they didn't. I, now it's just out there, but well, I, I who think, knows how many people are going to see it. I think that it will come out on Blu-ray and digital. And I think someone will probably take it and cut it up and put it on YouTube or something. And it'll probably be the movie that we should have got. I bet some, yeah. some generic editor guy that or wannabe editor guy will will do that and make a really great justice league film with this four-hour version we got mm-hmm. and i'd be interested to watch it when it when it gets done is it a childhood ruiner no it's it's definitely uh it's, it's definitely some good filmmaking it actually redeems the junk i had seen that i was unhappy with yeah but both of the director's cuts make me now wish that that's what I'd seen first 
because I would not have had this opinion. And it's, and it's still hard for me to even change that opinion, even though I like these films mm-hmm. because I still think Marvel does it better. Yeah. I love you, Marvel. <laughs> so for me, it's, it's honestly the same. Everything that you just said, it's the same. I, except for the, I love you, Marvel card, although I do, but I also love the DC universe. I tell Marvel you love them. I love. I did. I did. I just. Yeah, but did. then you retracted. It. Well, but then I said I do love them, but I also love the DC universe, and it's because I grew up with all of these stories. Yeah. I the comics that we went through today that I have that still in a bin are thirty years old. Mm-hmm. I I grew up wishing I could see these pages turn into mm-hmm. a movie, mm-hmm. and you were exactly right before when you said. Zack Snyder's Justice League is from the pages of a comic because, of course, not the whole movie and not all of the themes because Zack does, he injects his Snyder into it. But the Steppenwolf coming to Earth or the dark side trying to take over Earth and the mother boxes coming together and the Justice League forming, we had a wonderful DC animated film that was called Justice League that was them all coming together to fight Darkseid and the mother boxes. And what happens in that film? Superman turns bad because he gets infected by a, a mother box. And the Justice League has to fight Superman. And then they snap him out of it. And then they all go fight Darkseid. And that's very similar to what happened in this movie. And that's very similar from the pages of mm-hmm. the Justice League comic when they all come together for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's it's beautiful. It's well done. And I've, I mean, I will say over and over again, Zack Snyder is a filmmaker who knows how to make a beautiful film mm-hmm. every movie that i've seen of his i just love the way that the way that he shoots it the cinematography the angles the direction the character development it is all there and it is all wonderful and four hours of the justice league did justice to that and if you guys like this podcast wait for the director's cut <laughs> which is also Four hours and one minute long. And you guys will get more insight into what Phil and I think is cool. That's right. We should we should do a, a what do you call it? An audio commentary while we watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, didn't ruin my childhood either. Enhanced it. Makes me love the pages of the comics I read when I was nine years old even more. So Eric, uh, can anyone find you anywhere nowadays? No, no not you've, really. You've you've just left kind of the world, huh? I'm going to start Twitter one day. Yep, and then I'll let you know. Perfect. We will. We won't hold our breath. I mean, you can look at my Instagram, but I don't put a lot of new stuff on. Yeah, it's his last name. Everybody, uh, listen to older podcasts because he says it back then. But you can follow me at Fildimo, F-I-L-D-I-M-O, on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. And you can follow this podcast, Ruin My Childhood, on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast Ruined. We look forward to sharing more movies that are coming out this year, including Kong vs. Godzilla and other movies that we've watched over the years in Season 2 of this podcast, Ruin My Childhood. We hope that the look back at the Zack Snyder trilogy of DC movies did not ruin your childhood. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. This guy's probably fought hundreds of thousands of other super beings on the other planets. He's destroyed, right? And we have to assume he's won. I don't care how many demons he's fought and how many hells. He's never fought us. Not us united. 
were about to say something. Use the F word. So? Oh, we can swear now? Why not? We always, I've always been cursing. I don't curse. You don't, but I do. Oh. This is going at the end. You drop F-bombs now? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> okay. I've marked, whenever I have, I've marked it as explicit on the podcast. Oh. So, fuck away, man. I learned something new for season two. <laughs> What's new in season two? F-bombs. F-bombs. <laughs> Superman's dropping Zod on the city. We're dropping F-bombs on the city.